listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you, as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill. We took a little bit of a break, getting ourselves situated and amped up for the 2021 season. But now that free agency is about to start, I figured we'd get back into it. Rich, how you doing, buddy? How you been? Uh, you know, since the last time we talked, Tom Brady's won the Super Bowl. Uh, today yeah. is the one-year anniversary of his departure from New England. And the Patriots have just gone through one of the most ridiculous free agent signings, not just in franchise history, but in NFL history. I think that they just broke the record for most guaranteed money that they've any team has ever handed out in a free agency period. Uh, and they did it before the opening window actually even started. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, man. I mean, it hasn't even started yet. As of the podcast, it's 9 a.m. on Wednesday. We are still several hours away from the start of free agency and the Patriots have already made more splashes in the past two days than they've made. I say in the past maybe 10 years combined. <laughs> uh, usually when this podcast comes around every year, the free agency podcast, we're like, all right, Rich, let's all temper expectations. You know what the Patriots do. They sit back, let the market dictate itself, get some solid pieces in the day two, day three guys that aren't the real hot commodities. But this year, obviously based on the need, based on last year's record, based on the pieces they had in place, they are going not necessarily all in on this year because I think the contracts are pretty well structured for the future and beyond. But they obviously have a, a specific game plan and they are coming out guns blazing. And I love it. It's fun. Oh, it's true. You know, like in years past, you might get a, you know, that Stefan Gilmore free agent signing where you're just like, oh, my gosh, what? That's amazing. How fun. And this year they did like four of those sort of deals. You know, uh, we'll, we'll go into all of these more fully, but they, they got the top two tight ends on the market. They got one of the top three pass rushers. Uh, you know, they, they added uh, a couple of wide receivers in very uh, interestingly structured contracts that we'll go into. But overall, there's just like a lot of splashes that I'm just not used to. Uh, and Alec, let's take this podcast and process it together. How's that sound? That sounds good because honestly, uh, I don't want to spend too much time with you, Rich, because the page has probably made three moves since we started this conversation. <laughs> so this will already probably be out of date by the time it goes live. But yeah, I mean, I think it's good to kind of talk about their players, talk about where they might fit, and maybe with the thought process with the Patriots. I'd like to also talk with you, Rich, about uh, the unsigned free agent Patriots still have. There's still some names out there that are still on the market, as well as maybe some players that, that the Patriots remarkably have not scooped up yet, who we mm -hmm. may see them go after in the coming days. <clears throat> totally. I like that. I like that. So yeah, let's start on the offensive side of the ball for the cool. Patriots. Uh they signed, as I mentioned, the top two tight ends on the market. They signed Johnny Smith to a four-year, $50 million contract, and they signed Hunter Henry to a three-year, $37.5 million deal. Both of those are the same average per year. Hunter Henry had a shorter contract, but he received a higher percentage guaranteed. The Patriots have the two best tight ends that were available. They clearly were not happy with the production out of the position last year. And honestly, the position has been pretty bad for the past two years. Um, and, and so they were hoping to see some development from Ryan Izzo, Dalton Keene, uh, Devin Asiasi. Uh, but like, this is really changing the outlook for the position. How, does, how, how are you interpreting these moves? 
Yeah, obviously, I'm a huge Hunter Henry fan. I know Belichick gushes about him, even when they're not playing the Chargers. He was a, he just loves Hunter Henry. I think he's a great addition to the team. I'm actually a little bit more excited, honestly, about the Smith role as kind of like the move tight end that we haven't really seen since Aaron Hernandez. Uh, he's, he's he's run the ball as a running back. He's, he's been on the end of the, of the line. He's played receiver. I think he's a very versatile piece. Uh, I would not be at all surprised if Henry and Smith were the top two targets for Cam Newton should Cam Newton be under center next year. Uh, but we're really I'm interested to, to hear your take on this. Richard, well, obviously I think they're they're day one starters. They are the future of the tight end position, at least this season, not beyond. Do you think these two signings mean that Bill Belk is kind of just pulling the plug on the young tight ends after one rookie COVID shortened <laughs> season with no practices? Absolutely what? not. Absolutely I mean, so like, not. Yeah. So where are we with those two guys? You think? What's their role in the team going forward? Yeah. I mean, like, so they're young. They they are very young. Both Keen, who they might view to be, you know, what probably a good shadow for Johnny Smith as being that fullback, what tight end, like in the slot guy, move all over the formation. Uh, and then you have uh, Devin, who's a good little backup for Hunter Henry, who can play a little bit more of the inline stuff. He was that number two blocker for them last year. I think that these are young players. You can even throw Ryan Izzo in there, honestly, where the Patriots have a history of carrying four tight ends. That is not out of the question here. It is not them giving up on these players. It is simply an acknowledgement that, hey, there is a market inefficiency with regards to how offensive production is made, where okay, you could get a wide receiver for $20 million a year, or or you could get two tight ends for that same price, and you could get more yardage, you could have more red zone production, you could have more production in the run game, you have, honestly, for the Patriots and for Bill Belichick's approach to offense, they have two extremely versatile pieces that are two of the top five top 10 receiving tight ends in the league, as well as two of the top five top 10 blocking tight ends in the league. So New England's had the opportunity to greatly improve their offense while still saying, okay, young rookie tight ends, young tight ends take a couple of years to develop anyways. No one is making any judgment on the players that the Patriots drafted in 2020 just because of how just atypical the year was due to COVID. So it's not giving up on those players. It is just simply the Patriots would much rather spend money on the top two tight ends in free agency than a wide receiver. They're going to reformat the offense, and actually it probably is helpful for both the other two young tight ends for their growth in the future. Yeah, man, Smith and Hendry, I believe, are 25 and 26 years old, respectively. And obviously it's a very young core of tight ends. And this maybe harkens back to that that Scott Chandler year where the Patriots early on in that season, maybe it was 20. Yep, 14 or 15 had that four tight end set that they tried to experiment with. It didn't quite pan out. Um, but, you know, there's a lot you can do with versatile tight ends. And Belichick's always loved tight ends. So, yeah, I agree with you. They're not, they're not out the door, but uh, great guys to learn from. And I think we'll see some really interesting packages, especially if the Patriots continue to be a, a run-heavy team, which I think they will be, because their offensive line, despite the fact that my boy Joe Tooney oh. is gone, oh. uh, good for him. He got paid. He got a well-deserved contract from the Chiefs. He went from blocking for the least mobile quarterback in history to the most mobile quarterback in history. So good luck making that jump. But uh, <laughs> they brought back an old friend, the mountain of a man, Trent Brown. Ooh. He was not technically a free agent. He was traded, but I will loop him in here. Uh, I think the Patriots with Brown, with Wynn, um, with, with Michael Olenu, Shaq Mason, have one of the best, if not the best, bull lines in the game now. 
Oh, absolutely. And and a lot of it comes down to what we'll talk about later with regards to David Andrews and what the Patriots are going to do at the pivot point of their line. But absolutely, Trent Brown is back. He is uh, like just historically a very good run blocker and under the Patriots, who is a very good pass blocker as well. He kind of put it all together. He loved being in New England. He loved being under Bill Belichick. I think it's a great fit. You know, the Patriots traded away Marcus Cannon to the Houston Texans to make it happen. And so Brown is going to be that starting right tackle. He is going to be playing opposite of Isaiah Wynn. Uh, you know, whether it's Cam Newton or someone else under center, you pair Trent Brown at, you know, 350 pounds or whatever he is with Onwenu at left guard, most likely Shaq Mason, the best run blocking right guard in the league. And you add in two good blocking tight ends. Opposing defenses are going to have to stay super heavy in their formations against New England, and that should open up the opportunities for both the tight ends in the receiving game, the running backs in the receiving games, and also these new wide receivers in the receiving game. New wide receivers. What a great transition that was, Rich Hill. Uh, The Patriots have not made any of the quote-unquote marquee signings in receivership. However, the receivers are one of those positions like they don't always work out in the Patriots. You You can pounce to all these players the Patriots are brought in who are the Chad Ocasinkos, the Doug Gabriels, the Joey Galloway. So I like the approach the Patriots have made with their receivers thus far. Uh, I personally don't think they're done, but they brought in Kendrick Bourne, uh, who's a four-year veteran coming off. I think he had a career high last season. Uh, undrafted rookie, did a really good job with the 49ers. And then uh, maybe the more controversial pick, uh, if, there, if, if I can say that, in Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar uh, had a good season, I think, in, in Las Vegas with, I think, 48 or 49 catches, eight touchdowns. But he also spent some time in Philadelphia where he could not catch a cold. And Patriots fans are maybe thinking about that Nelson Aguilar versus the Raiders one. What are your thoughts on the receivers, Rich? Yeah, I mean, I like them. I, I think that the Patriots have historically been tr- uh, trying to figure out ways to get wide receivers without consolidating all of their assets in one player. Because, you know, you, you think of some of the other offenses, mostly, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals with A.J. Green or even the Falcons with Julio Jones for a bit of time, where if your top receiver suffers an injury, then your offense is just gone. And so Bill Belichick's approach is generally never to invest too much into one singular player unless they are that all-world player. And that player isn't available on the market. Instead, it makes more sense for them to spread and diversify their assets across the top two tight ends and a couple of good wide receiver two, wide receiver three options. And so now the Patriots have uh, Nelson Aguilar, who, as you said, is coming off of a career year. He is a speedy receiver on the outside. He did a great job in that capacity for the Raiders. And also, he did a pretty good job for the the Eagles back in 2017. So it's not like he hadn't been able to produce at all. It's just that his failures were very large and very notable. Uh, but like, I think the Patriots envision a role for him. His contract is essentially a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, he's, it's technically structured as a two-year, $22 million, uh, with a couple of million available in incentives but the way that the cap is structured it's that if he doesn't produce for them this year he's going to be cut and not retained for next year Kendrick Bourne on the other hand is one of those high upside players who really produced for the 49ers an undrafted player that has uh, not really the big ability to you know put pressure deep down the field that kind of gets players huge free agency contracts 
But what he's known for is moving the chains, making the big catches, and he has been historically knocked for dropping the balls. But there there are all of these people who have tallied it. And it's like, you know, he's not that bad uh, across his entire career. Uh, there's really just two games. He had a game against Washington uh, and then a, a primetime game where he dropped three balls each in each of those games. And that kind of set the narrative for his career. Outside of that, he's very reliable. He's someone that the 49ers counted on on third down. And I think, honestly, he is going to be a really good fit for the Patriots, whoever's under center. He gives New England some really reliable hands, you know, opposite of Jacoby Myers, who is also very reliable. Uh, and ultimately, I think these wide receivers are going to be second fiddle to the tight end position anyways, so you don't really need to have that top billing guy there. I'll tell you, one thing Aguilar has been very good at career-wise from the Eagles to the Raiders, he's really good at going deep. He's very fast. You have to at least acknowledge that he's on the field. Maybe he'll be that deep threat Nikhil Harry never was. Now, I'm not saying he's an next coming of Randy Moss or Calvin Johnson, but I think there is a place for him on this team. And he could also be one of those receivers they bring in and then they cut in training camp. This happens every year, too. So I don't think either of these guys are – uh, like game-changing, offense-changing players, but I think they both have potential to be good fits and good pieces in a greater offense, which I agree will run through the backs and the tight ends. Uh, but again, the offense is only one area where the Patriots improved this offseason thus far. They did make some moves on the defense. Primarily, it seems to me, Rich, to help out what was a pretty weak run defense mm-hmm. last season. Uh, they signed Henry Anderson. They signed Matt Judon. They signed Davon Godshow. Uh, some good, solid pieces there. Where should we start on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, let's start with the defensive line because uh, we'll go into who the Patriots haven't signed yet. But New England's run defense was really bad last year. I blame it entirely on the lack of any linebackers, which was a huge issue. So curious to see how the Patriots are going to approach that position. Um, but what they did is they added a nose tackle in Davin Godshaw, who comes over for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and they added Henry Anderson, formerly of the Jets and of, I believe, the Colts before that. Uh, but Anderson's been around the league for a little bit. Uh, I really like the Godshaw pick. The Anderson pick, uh, he kind of plays a little dirty, as in not even a little dirty. He's a very dirty player, so I'm less thrilled about that move. Um, but Godshaw is a good nose tackle. He gives the Patriots some beef up front, which allows the Patriots and how I envision they'll be approaching their defense, some guy who can just eat space, allow Dante Hightower to make plays uh, at the line of scrimmage, and kind of just create opportunities for the Patriots' wealth of edge players to create pressure, to push the pocket, and hopefully force mistakes and allow the secondary to really thrive. Yeah, I like, again, I don't know a whole lot about Henry Anderson. Only really time I heard his name is he was being flagged. So I think you're you're spot on with the with the dirty player thing. I think the Gotcha is a great great signing. I'm a big fan of him. I know he hasn't really uh, shone a lot because of his injuries. He's only played, I think, four or five games in 2020 after a, a biceps injury. But I think he can be a really good kind of interior space eater. Uh, I don't think no Vince will fork, but I can see this being the return to that kind of hybrid 3-4, maybe the big nickel, uh, due to actually another signing that I want to talk about, um, Matt Judon. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably the biggest name that they've signed on the defensive side of the ball thus far. One of those – out, well-balanced outside guys, uh, you know, really big gap between the youth and the experience right now in the linebacker core. I think he's 27 or 28 years old. Fifth-round pick. He's had 34 sacks since 2016. Real good second-level guy. Can play every single down. Run stuffer. Uh, good spat, side-to-side guy. I think he's probably the number two linebacker behind Dante Hightower. 
I think Judon and Hightower make a nice little core there. I'm excited about him. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I, the way that I envision them using Judon kind of is a little bit how they used uh, Kyle Van Noy uh, in years past, where they have probably an odd man front, you know, five guys on the line of scrimmage. I see Judon being on the edge there, uh, hopefully opposite of Chase Winovich. Hopefully they'll allow him to play. But I saw this stat that Judon had uh, enough pressures that he would have been number two on the Patriots last year behind Winovich. And uh, Judon is just also a, just a more complete player. So I, I think that he is a very good asset that New England has decided, you know what, he will settle down the edge of the line of scrimmage. He will help everyone else uh, kind of with a, the trickle down thought, because you just remember last year, who were the top two edge players on the Patriots? Uh, John Simon and uh, whoever they wanted to at that point in time because they apparently didn't really believe in Chase Winovich, uh, and they tried to move him to, like, off-ball linebacker. And so the Patriots said, all right, we need to really establish this edge position. Judon's going to be that guy. He'll make it much easier for Anthony Jennings. He'll make it easier for Dietrich Wise, who they re-signed. They'll make it easier for Winovich, who hopefully they'll finally trust to put into, uh, you know, bigger positions. And honestly, even Josh Uche, who I think will be next to Hightower off the ball. Um, I, I think that that overarching four linebackers of Judon, Winovich, Hightower, and Uche is just a really great place for the Patriots to continue to grow because Hightower is getting older. But I think you bring in that youth movement, and this is a really solid linebacker core. Let me ask you another linebacker, Rich, who maybe not linebacker because he technically isn't a linebacker, but I think he could become a linebacker, and that's Jalen Mills, the other mm-hmm. Patriots signing in aid. Nice. Uh, obviously, he's a, D, he's a DB, uh, but he has played that kind of hybrid Pat Jung safety linebacker role. He's played deep safety. He's played slot corner. He's played outside corner. I feel like Belichick really enjoys the fact that he can play literally every single position mm-hmm. in the secondary. Uh, the knock on him is he plays every single position with mediocrity as opposed to like an all-star at any level. But I think it's one of those versatile signings where he can kind of be the guy that steps in if there's injury. I know Patrick Chung isn't that young anymore. Maybe he's the next Patrick Chung, maybe the, the mentor for Kyle Duggar. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Mills pick? Yeah, I like it. I, I actually think that uh, I, I envision this Mills pick or uh, signing to be one of those that everyone's like, why do they pay him so much? And then like two years down the road, everyone's like, oh, that makes sense. That was like a really good deal. That's a good bargain. I like that. Um, but I also think it, it, it really speaks to how the Patriots envision their safety position, uh, kind of meshing with the slot position and the linebacker position because they have Adrian Phillips, they have Patrick Chung, and even Kyle Duggar. Uh, adding in Mills, you have four players that can play multiple spots in both the secondary, whether it's in the slot or the safety position, and in Mills' position, you can play outside. Uh, and all of them also play a little bit of linebacker. And so this is the Patriots preparing for a much more pass heavy league. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if they became like the number two linebacker next to Hightower and Uche played more on the line of scrimmage. Um, I think that this speaks to the overall strategy that, okay, you need to be able to have five defensive backs on the field at all times. And at least one of them, if not two of them have to be really good run defenders. And uh, I think Mills is coming off a very good year at safety for the Eagles last year. I believe pro football focus had him as a top 20 safety. Uh, So he, he adopted in that first year at that position very well. So this is an upside signing. Uh, as you said, Patrick Chung is turning 34 in August and uh, so is Devin McCourty. So Thinking of what does the future hold for this secondary of New England, 
Mills, Duggar, Adrian Phillips, that could be your trio starting as early as 2022. I mean, that's not a bad trio. And they've got a solid cornerback base. I know there's some rumors about Stefan Gilmore and trading him and all that stuff, which we won't get into in this podcast. There's still time for that. There's too many friends to keep track of. But I think the secondary, even without Mills, was pretty solid in the strength of the team coming into 2021. And he's not going to make them suddenly worse. It's not like he's some, like, you know, mm-hmm. savior. That's gonna, so I think it's, it's a good move, and it's nice having that versatility. Uh, and Belichick is very good at playing players in the right position. Guys that don't do well elsewhere in the league come to the Patriots, and Belichick gets the most out of them. And I think he's going to do that with all the new signings. Very excited for him, excited for Judon. I think it's a really, really cool market. Uh, I think that is, for now at least, like, he's <laughs> probably missed a couple signings over the course. But those are the free agents the Patriots have brought in during the legal tampering period. Yep. Uh, however, there's more to talk about, Rich. There's some guys that they've, they've already re-signed from the team. There's some guys they have not re-signed yet from the team. We'll have to do with them. And we also have some other free agents around the league that we're going to talk about in a second. But first, take a quick break. We're right back. All right. We are back, Rich. We just broke down the Patriots' new signings, new free agents that ended up coming in after a wild legal tampering period. However, there are also some guys that we are familiar with they've brought back. They've just re-signed Dietrich Wise to a four-year deal, I believe. Carl Davis is back. Uh, Justin Bethel, special teamer. And the quarterback, Cam uh, Newton, is back on a one-year deal. Of these signings here, uh, which one's the biggest surprise to you? Which one are you most excited about? Um, I would say none of them are super surprising other than that, you know, it's notable that they want to bring Carl Davis back. I, I'd say maybe Dietrich Wise would be my yeah. top option because, uh, you know, it was a really high like dollar figure that people were talking about for bringing him back. It's super incentive laden. Uh, he has to play a lot in order to see all of the money. Uh, so it's like a low base, and I, I think that he can, developed as a pass rusher last year. And he's a player that I think has always flashed a lot of ability for the Patriots. It just never felt like it was the right fit. You know, he, he's he been like a prototypical 4-3 defensive end. The Patriots have played odd man fronts. So it's like, okay, where does Wise really fit into what they're trying to do? Um, but I, I think that if they moved him a little bit more onto the interior, play him a little bit more or less like the five technique, um, you know, think of how they've used like Adam Butler in the past. I think Wise could really develop as like a solid pass rusher from that type of a role and take advantage of matchups against the the more interior players on the line of scrimmage. But Wise is someone that I thought was just like, you know what, I might have better opportunities elsewhere. And it always felt like the Patriots were trying to replace him. So the fact that they invested so much was a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the fact that people always see, you know, the the breaking news is always, you know, four years, $50 million. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God, $50 million. There's, there are a few things people get as upset about while knowing nothing about than the NFL salary cap. It's a complete <laughs> mystery to everybody. And four years, $50 million usually means like $2 million signing bonus and the rest is not guaranteed. So I think as long as the contract is structured, as long as he performs well, he gets paid. That is totally fine with me. Speaking of getting outraged over a contract, Cam Newton, <laughs> one year, $14 million. What? Disgusting. How dare they? He's making, what, like 2.5 base and the rest are all incentive base. And I think, you know, I know people are very polarized on Cam Newton, the kind of season he had or, or didn't have, I should say, last year. But I, all I think this is, Rich, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. I think this is a situation where Cam's the guy in 2021. They're probably not going to make a deep playoff round be contenders this year anyway. So you draft a quarterback in the first round or early in the second. 
you let Cam be the guy, you have the quarterback who's a rookie sit for a year or two and learn, and then come in with this nice core of players the Packers are building right now. It seems like a very viable strategy to me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I would also even throw this out there. Uh, it's not that bad of a contract anyways, and he's someone who spent a year in the system. He's someone that the Patriots, you know, I expect them to draft a quarterback based off of how they've approached this free agency period. I expect them to draft one early. And so Cam might start at the beginning of the year. It might transition to that younger player. It might just be that younger player's opportunity if he wins outright in camp, and then Newton will be the backup. And Cam Newton, as far as backups go, would be a great backup, and $5 million as a backup is extremely reasonable. Um, but if he does happen to win that starting job, what the Patriots did was just secure themselves the fact that, okay, we had the worst offensive skill players in the league last year. And that is not an exaggeration. They had the worst tight ends. They had just a rotating cast at running back due to injuries. And their wide receiver core uh, was Jacoby Myers and, you know, Demir Bird sometimes. And so the, the fact that they had Cam Newton out there and he produced not well, you know, he was a bottom 10 quarterback last year. But he was playing with nothing. You add in these two new tight ends, and we know historically how well Cam Newton has produced when he has had Greg Olson, you know, a great receiving tight end, and now you give him two of them. You add those two players in there, you're going to see a different Cam Newton in this offense. Uh, you see how he was affected by COVID, uh, you know, how his production and technique immediately plummeted once he returned too quickly. Um, but I, I think that this is an opportunity for Cam to say, you know what? I could be a league average quarterback. That that would be like what I would put as like the ceiling of expectations is that he could be a league average quarterback and that would be a-okay because you're not going to get a better quarterback in free agency. You might say Ryan Fitzpatrick. That could be the only other one I would consider. And honestly, if you're saying, you know what, I'm really upset that they signed Cam Newton and not Ryan Fitzpatrick, then you are just nickel and diming right now with regards to where you're trying to be upset. So just be happy that they got Cam Newton, who spent a year in the system, who, you know, led the team. The players loved him. Uh, and honestly, like, who knows if Ryan Fitzpatrick would be good in the Patriots anyways. So you're not going to stake the future in Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're just doing something to hold over because the Patriots will draft a young quarterback. I'm not going to lie, Rich. Part of me is upset the Pats did not sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> not because he would have like led the Patriots Super Bowl, but like to say like just to have him on, just to have hit, hit, the Patriots as one of the the 15 stops he's made <laughs> in a borderline Hall of Fame career, just based on what he's been able to do, <laughs> the money he's been able to get, would have been kind of a cool little little footnote, but that's okay. Uh, I will take Cam over Fitzmagic any day of the week, obviously. I think he's now with Washington. The football mm -hmm. team just signed him, so that's his eighth starting. Unbelievable game. Unbelievable career that guy's had. Yeah, I I'm cool with Cam Newton. I am. I think he was in the – I don't think you could have manufactured a worse scenario for a quarterback to enter into than 2020. Uh, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, departed – you have to fill his shoes. They lost their tight end. They lost their receivers. They lost everybody. Edelman got hurt. Their running backs got hurt. You get coronavirus. You had no chance to practice. Like, there's just... You joined you, in the you, summer. He, yeah, he joined, he joined, like, three weeks before the season started. Like, there's just no... You could not have picked a worse scenario for Cam, and everyone loves him. And one thing I was concerned about with Cam, bringing him back, was would people want to come to the Patriots? 
would they want would that still be like a destination for free agents who want to come and chase a ring obviously i was off on that one gladly so so i think cam's a great signing for now especially given how how little the page have committed to him on a my financial perspective and i hope he he does great and i agree they're going to draft a quarterback early uh unfortunately this leads us to the the saddest part of the the, the podcast and the players have already lost. You know, they've already lost Joe Tooney. We talked about that to the Chiefs. They lost Marcus Cannon, traded to the Texans. They lost Terrence Brooks, who's the the special teamer. The Texans also signed him. Uh, and they're a slew of Patriots we've all come to know and love over the years who are currently free agents. A lot of them will not be back. Uh, I'm going to read them off real quick, Rich, and then maybe we can talk about the key ones, which one you think is going to come back, which one you think is going to depart, and we'll go from there. Uh, mm-hmm. League uh, Patriots MVP Nick Folk is a free agent this year. Uh, we have David Andrews, Rex Burkhead, Adam Butler, Demir Bird, Shalit Calhoun, Brandon Copeland, Cody Davis, Jermaine Illuminor, Lawrence Guy, all-star Brian Hoyer, Dante Moncrief, Jason McCourty, John Simon, and James White. Uh, I think the key names on that one for me is James White, I think Nick Folk, Lawrence Guy, and Adam Butler and David Andrews are, are the big ones for me, but how about you? Yeah, I, I would add in, I would just love to see Jason McCourty come back, and uh, I would throw in there Cody Davis as another core special teamer that would just be nice to have back on like one of those two-year, $4 million contracts, something that's super team-friendly. Um, but he, he was a very good component for the best special teams unit in the league last year. Um, and then maybe even Rex Burkhead, I don't know. I know that the Patriots say that, uh, there are reports that the Patriots are super interested in upgrading the running back position. They've connected to Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson uh, coming out of Seattle. So they are looking to add some bodies there. We'll see who it is. Um, I would like to see them bring back James White too, but my, my uh, initial name of Jason McCourty, I just want to see the twins out there again. You know, you got to see Devin and Jason. And honestly, I think that while Jason is like, you need to bring back JC Jackson, who's a restricted free agent, obviously. Uh, I think that Jason McCourty provides some beneficial depth to the team uh, where, you know, you'll have your Gilmore, you'll have JC Jackson, who'll be that restricted free agent contract. You'll have Jonathan Jones. I think that, you know, Jason McCourty gives a little bit of stability out there in case, you know, how long is Stefan Gilmore's recovery from his quad injury? What if one other players goes down? Do you want to rely on Miles Bryant out there? Maybe we'll see how they produce, but I think it's worth bringing in Jason McCourty, at least for the off season to see if he can continue to play at the level that he has, which has been a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. Jason McCourty has been a, a, a good corner. Uh, I do question whether he is now replaceable due to Jalen Mills signing. He's kind of the fourth or fifth corner at this point. We'll see. Uh, maybe they bring him in and it's a camp competition. He's one of those surprise late cuts in August. You never know about that. Uh, what about David Andrews, Rich? The O-line is in place. David Andrews and the Patriots have already been in talks about coming back, but it has been reported he's going to test the market, see what other offers he may get in free agency. Are you pretty confident he comes back, or are we saying goodbye to him? Ooh, I am a coin flip on Andrews. I, I think that the reports are that he's going to go to Miami, Brian Flores, and the Dolphins are going to try and bring him down there. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think that the Patriots should try to re-sign him. He is a team captain. He is an anchor on that offensive line, and they will obviously be much better with him than without him. Uh, And then they would have a big gap and hole on the interior line uh, if he leaves. Uh, While there are other free agents like Rodney Hudson coming out, uh, out just released by the Raiders that could plug into that spot, it would be nice to have some consistency there. I think that 
what is happening is the Patriots are approaching Andrews like they have respectfully with all of their other team captains. You remember a few years back when Devin McCourty tested free agency, he went to the Giants, the Giants gave him a dollar, and then McCourty came back to the Patriots and said, this is what they're giving me on the table. And the Patriots said, okay, here's our counter. And then McCourty was like, cool, I'm staying here. I envision something like that happening where teams will give David Andrews some contract offers. He'll come back to the Patriots and say, this is what I'm seeing. It's either more or less than what you were previously offering us. And then the Patriots will say, cool, if it's in within reason, we're going to counter and try to retain you. But if it's something where you're getting like, you know, 10 million a year, we might have to walk. I, I see that. Yeah, I think he will be back. <clears throat> I don't think he's uh, he's a good center. I think he's a very good center for this line, but I don't think he's one of those coveted elite guys that they're going to throw the bank at, like the Giants did Nate Solder a couple years ago. They gave him like $60 million. It's an absurd contract for that. I don't think he's going to command that much money. I think Andrews likes it here. Uh, he was one of my favorite people at the parade a couple years ago. He was just shirtless and jiggling his belly around. He's, a, he's like kind of a fan favorite. I think he's going to be back, but I hope I'm right. I don't know for sure. Again, the good news is that I think if he's gone for whatever reason, there are enough old linemen, or there aren't any centers, they can they can figure something out here. Uh, what about Adam Butler? He's one of those guys I feel like flies under the radar every year, but he's just a rock-style contributor. They've made some upgrades on the D-line already. You see a place for Butler on this roster? Oh, totally. I think Butler is a very key piece of this defensive front, and if not, they're going to have to continue to try and groom Byron, uh, Byron Cowart into that role. And I could also see Dietrich Wise, as I mentioned, sliding into that as that interior pass rusher on passing down but also a good complementary pressure-producing uh, defensive tackle next to Godshaw. Um, I'd love to see Lawrence Guy come back, too. He was a great run defender. I think he still has a lot left in the tank, and I think that he would definitely bolster this defensive front. But I see Butler as a player that has a really good role with the Patriots. He's developed and gotten better every single year, and that's the type of player that Bill Belichick likes to retain. But there are also enough Bill Belichick acolytes around the league that I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins said, hey, we have this exact role for you down here. Uh, Brian Flores was his defensive coordinator, knows how to best utilize him, and then say, all right, we think that you can flourish more down here. Look at the Patriots. They just signed two other defensive tackles before you. What does that show you? Uh, and so I, I can see Butler getting a contract offer from a different team that's a little bit more than what the Patriots were willing, and then uh, that, and he'll still continue to have a productive career elsewhere. Here's hoping, man. Uh, and then the last thing I will say is we transition away from the Patriots, maybe it's transition into other frames around the league. Uh, there are some decent kickers out there besides Nick Folk. Do you think Nick Folk comes back, or do you think they stick with Justin Rohrwasser, or whatever, how you pronounce his last name, or will they go completely elsewhere with the other kind of free agents in the league for kickers? Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised if they didn't try to bring back Folk. They also signed Roberto Aguayo to a futures contract, so they already have two kickers in there. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a third, uh, and Folk has proven that he was the guy for the Patriots and did a really good job. Um, honestly, I would be surprised if they're, like, didn't bring him back more so than if they let him walk. Uh, but I, I think that he provided some stability at that position. I think that it will be uh, a good thing for him to continue to stick around because he can kick in cold weather. He can't kick in cold weather. He, again, he was the Pats MVP last year, in my opinion, offensively at least. All right, so that is basically the Patriots in a quick nutshell. Wild couple of days of free agency. Let's close with this, Rich Hill. The Pats are not done because technically the period hasn't even started yet. <laughs> we are still – all of this is before the official start, which is 4 p.m. Eastern time today. 
There are still some good teams out there in free, good players, excuse me, out there in free agency. There are some good receivers. Kenny Galladay's out there. Will Fuller's out there. Juju Smith-Sutra's out there. Antonio Brown technically is out there. Curtis Samuel. There are some cornerbacks. There are some running backs. There are some edge rushers. There are still some decent talent to be had elsewhere in free agency. I know the Patriots aren't done. They have some cap space to play with still. How do you see them approaching free agency going forward now that they have kind of their, their guys they really wanted? And what's the next move going to be? Yeah, I mean, so the Patriots have been sniffing around running backs, and there are some really good ones available uh, beyond James White and Rex Burkhead. They had Chris Carson from Seattle, who they were expressing interest in. I think Kenyon Drake, who produced for the the Cardinals, could be an interesting pick. Uh, James Conner fits the Patriots' mold of that, like LeGarrette Blount, big kind of back. Um, but a name that I will watch, uh, Le'Veon Bell. He's a free agency, uh, free agent player right now. He's someone that I think could fit in. Uh, will he be the choice? Uh, I don't know. Maybe some other team will offer him more, but that seems like a perfect Bill Belichick reclamation project of just, you know, he hasn't been really producing that much. Uh, you know, he took that year off, went to the Jets, was fine, uh, but was, you know, left the Jets, went to the Chiefs and was a backup. And so what does he have left? I think that the Patriots could really find out, you know, if if Cam Newton is surrounded by Le'Veon Bell as his de facto Christian McCaffrey and had his two tight ends being his Greg Olsons, we could see uh, a new ton of connaissance. Uh, you know, he, he, he could be back. I think that's something that I want to watch out for. Yeah, that'd be cool. So uh, I, I think we're talking about receivers as well and how the Patriots have brought in the guys that are not key big name guys i don't think they're going to spend a lot of money on a receiver i think one of these names i'm about to mention are going to get a pretty big contract somewhere else but if you had to pick one of these guys money and contracts aside uh which one would you prefer as a fit for newton and the patriots and why all right i think the big names are kenny galladay will furler juju smith schuster curtis samuel which of those guys are you most excited about if they're coming to the patriots money aside Oh, man. Uh, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is the best and highest upside of all of those players. I would love to have him join the Patriots. Um, but honestly, Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel fits the Patriots offense the best with what they do. He fits that flexibility sort of approach that New England will have with Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry. You add in a player like Curtis Samuel, then you have just this ridiculous offense that can go like every player can line up at multiple positions. That would just be so much fun. You would have such a difficult time as a defense trying to match up with them. Uh, I, I think that would just be a lot of fun to see how the Patriots and Josh McDaniels kind of scheme around that. Um, that is where I would initially go. I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they went a little bit more on the depth side and say, Adam Humphreys, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that? That is a player that New England really wanted to sign uh, back in the 2019 offseason before he signed with the Titans for a big contract. Um, he gets separation, uh, but he hasn't been super healthy over the past few years. I think they could sign him as that like Amendola-esque. Uh, you know, he can play when his number's called upon. Maybe he'll be a possible replacement for Edelman. Uh, but I think Humphreys is a guy who obviously fits what the Patriots do on offense and uh, has some upside there. I like that. I mean, I think agree. I don't think we're going to see any of the, the the top kind of top five receivers come to the Patriots. Never, you never know. Again, this is an off season where anything goes clearly. But there is some talent out there at the receiver position. You want to go a little older, a little kind of more of a, a fit kind of thing. T.Y. Hilton is going to be a free agent. He's not that old. He's only thirty one years old. Uh, Brashard Perryman, who has given the Patriots fits in the past, he could be a good fit. Sammy Watkins is out there. John Brown is out there. So there are some names 
in their super position, the Patriots can still target. Uh, I don't think they'll be going for a first-round receiver again this year, but uh, I don't think they're done at that position. Also, I got to give a quick shout-out to uh, Kyle Van Noy, who's now mm. a free agent. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll bring him back. You never know. Olivier Vernon, there's a lot of good names out there. So I'm very excited to see, for the first time ever, Rich Hill, what the coming days bring. This is usually the time of year where everyone else gets to have a lot of fun and Patriots fans sit back and wait for the Super Bowl to happen. But um, I guess it's kind of good to, to be in the mix like this. I will caution that there have been a plethora of off-season champions who made all these big splashes and all these big signings who went on to do nothing in the regular season. But uh, I think in terms of cause for optimism, New England's trending in the right direction. It should be a fun couple of days around here. Yeah, totally. Well, we'll definitely keep track of all of it at patspulpit.com, and we'll keep everyone updated. We'll probably regroup next week to take full account of what's been going on. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on the Patriots' kickoff to 2021 free agency? What a kickoff it is. I've started off my St. Patrick's Day in style. Ah, Awesome. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. Thank you, buddy. See you. Right, man.